Welcome to the Italian Football Podcast with John Solano, Carlo Garganese and Nima Tuvali. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganese, and it was another thrilling weekend of Serie A football. Two big shocks, Juventus losing to Monza. That might be the end of of Max Allegri, or it might not. We also had Inter losing to Udinese. We had a huge top-of-the-table clash between probably the two best teams in, in Serie A so far this season, Milan and Napoli. We had Jose Mourinho going berserk in Roma's match against Atalanta and we had lots of other talking points. So let's get straight into it. Okay, joined by Nima only today and we have to start with the big Sunday evening match. Milan against Napoli at San Siro. 2-1 win for, for Napoli. Huge, huge win. For, for Napoli. Um, Nima, what were your main takeaways from this game? Well, um, I was, um, I have to say, I, I really liked uh, Milan's first half performance. Um, or I actually liked Milan's performance throughout. Um, I thought they played really, really well without Liao, um, Rafael Liao. And I, and I think it's very, it's, it's time people give Stefano Pioli the recognition and the praise that he deserves. Because I thought what he did was so, wasn't exactly groundbreaking, but it was so smart, tactically. Playing Rade Krunic and putting him in the middle, playing which which in turn gave them a numerical advantage in the middle of the park, allowing Teo Hernandez to, to maraud and dominate that, that left flank entirely, using his pace and pressing Napoli really high up. Uh, you know, overloading the center of the pitch, um, but not doing it without plan, knowing full well that players get tired and knowing that they can't maintain that kind of pressing that high up th- throughout the game. And so they had a plan for when to do it um, in, in different stages um, was really impressive from a tactical point of view. Um, uh, and I think, you know, now, you know, not having won the Scudetto, and doing these impressive things time and time again, um, we have to give we have to give credit to Stefano Pioli, and also the young players that have all developed under him, from Benasser to Leao to Teo Hernandez, etc., etc., and also you know Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who was who, who you know became you know was was named Sweden's best player for the you know at the age of thirty nine forty, all, all and Olivier Giroud being I mean, at the at the for in the form and of his career, I mean, he's never been better, in my opinion. Um, Tomori's development, all of these things. I mean, we have to give credit to Stefano Pioli now. He is really, he deserves to be mentioned as one of the best coaches that Italy has to offer, um, and the football they play as well, and and and. Uh, just, just for everything and tactically as well. I, I was really impressed by Milan. I thought, I, I was, I thought they were unlucky to to not get more goals um, and 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 to not win the game. Uh, to be honest, yeah, I thought Milan um, were the better team as well. Um, I thought that Napoli. 
I didn't think it was their best performance this season, Napoli. I thought it was the first time I thought I've seen them this season where they, they seem like they lacked a bit of energy. Um, they I thought they rode their luck a little bit. Milan had the better chances. They had the better of the play. Um, having said that, though, I did think Napoli defended well. They, they stuck in there. I thought Kim Min Jae was, was brilliant. I thought Ramani too. I thought those two were kind of like he the standout players for, for Napoli, along with Meretz. Mm. Uh, I thought Meretz had another excellent game. He, he's starting to, Absolutely. To, put, to put a case in now to be the long-term number one. We know that Napoli were looking to offload him in the summer. Um, there were a lot of question marks. I mean, he hasn't fulfilled the potential that he had a few a few years ago. There have been question marks over his, certainly over his distribution and the use of his feet with the ball. Um, which we know is an important attribute for goalkeepers nowadays, and he's somebody that isn't hasn't been very comfortable um, with his feet. There was that that infamous game at the end of last season um, where he basically cost Napoli the, the game and probably the Scudetto. Um, I keep forgetting which get who it was against. Was it Empoli? Um, where mm, were they? So. Were they? They yeah, completely Empoli. imploded. Yeah. Um, so, but he even in this game, he, he's yeah, he's shown that he's come on and he, he made some important saves. Um, but I think the difference between the two sides was that Na- Milan didn't take their chances and Napoli were very clinical uh, in front of goal. They were a little bit fortunate with the penalty in the sense that it wasn't a good penalty from Politano. It went under the goalkeeper's arms, um, which you can't really blame Magnon from, for. That happens sometimes. The goalkeeper dives dives, and it goes underneath their arms. There's really nothing you can do about that. It's just one of those. Um and, but the penalty you know, was clear. Let's be. Let's not. The penalty you know, was clear. Yeah, the I penalty mean, was clear. It was, yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was. It was uh, yeah, Sergio Dest. Yeah, Sergio Dest. I mean, we said we, we said when he arrived that we weren't both of us. What I've seen of him from Barcelona, which is reasonably limited, I, I haven't fancied him. Still young, I know, but I thought that at the time I was critical of Pioli for taking off Calabria because it was like, how the hell can he take him off? I thought he was doing a Simone Inzaghi and taking off Calabria just because he was on a yellow card. But the claim after the game was that Calabria actually was carrying a bit of a minor injury and that was the reason he come off. So, you know, we can let him off for that um, because I thought Calabria was 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 playing really well against Cladot He was, Helia, but, he really was. But, uh, he was Dest, making life yeah. very difficult for Cladot mm. Yeah, he was. And, and Dest obviously couldn't keep up the level and he gave away the penalty. Um, but I think also what we need to praise Napoli for, and it's definitely something that's going to be a huge weapon from this season, is that they have such depth in attack that if one or two of their attackers aren't quite on it one game, they can bring you know, players off the bench to replace them and make the difference. And that's what happened in this game because, I mean, well, not only as Aussie men wasn't even playing, but Raspadori started as a centre forward and he struggled. He really did struggle a lot. And he came off and then Simeone come on and he won the game for them he, he, with, a, with a brilliant finish. Um, but just a build-up to that as well. I mean, as well. this is the thing. I mean, Simeone, I mean, I, I when Spalletti was at Inter, um, during that whole Icardi crisis, I, and it was obvious that Icardi was going to leave, um, I, wanted to, I wanted Inter to get Simeone under Spalletti because, I, I mean, I think he is the ideal... Uh, he, he's he's really he, his his attributes and his his movement and his you know attitude and and his strengths really suit the kind of player that that that, that Spalletti likes in a number nine role. And I think so far he's really proven me right. He's been absolutely outstanding um, for Napoli. Um, and he accept. I mean, he's the kind of player who doesn't make a big fuss. He he works hard. He keeps his head down. And and I do think there is quality there. And and I think he showed that 
against uh, against not against Milan and certainly against Liverpool and every other game he's played. Yeah, he showed um, he's an so, impact. He can make an impact off the bench. Yeah, and I think it was it was it was an intelligent. I understand why they played Raspadori um, in, in the middle. Um, I think the idea was that he was supposed to move because uh, we've seen Tomori and 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 and, and Kier, when they when they're dragged out of position. They, they they leave holes behind them and they're not you know that's how we've seen teams do that and that's how they hurt Milan defensively so I understand why they did did that but I think the key to Milan's defense was Calabria neutralizing Karatschelia um and doing so really really well um and and I think that's um I think that's that's the reason Milan didn't at least draw this game was because of that change that that he made and 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 you know obviously purely you know they, they don't always tell everything these coaches about injuries and stuff and and I think I, I don't think Calabria was taken off because he, he had a yellow card I'm certain it's got because they don't want to worsen his injury um but no I I again I mean it's merit I mean what we spoke about merit this summer we knew he was the weakest link but at the same time we also said I mean I I remember I did that if it's now, it's now or never. I think it's the right decision to give Merit that number one glove and say, "Look, this is your season to make this position yours." Are you, you know, it's in or out for you now? And because before with Ospina alternating between a first choice goalkeepers over a few years is never really good, um, and it creates it doesn't create the continuity that you need in that position. This season, he's been excellent. Because there is continuity, he's made mistakes. Let's not, you know. So this season, he's made mistakes, but you can see that he improves on a game by game basis. Um, and if he continues like this, then 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 yes, he should be the number one, uh, the, the long term number one for sure. Um, but uh, but I mean, if we're talking about Napoli from the Napoli perspective, Kim Min Jae was outstanding. Um, the, 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 for me, he's replaced Kulibali. The only difference, of course, and it's a huge one, is his distribution is nowhere near as good as Kulibali. Uh, his passing and that first, first all important first pass, which Kulibali was one of the best, if not the best, in the world at. Uh, Kim Min Jae is not there yet, but he's. Other than that, I mean, he's an absolutely monster in the air. He's a good marker. His decision making is is really good. He's so far with Rahmani, they really, really complement each other really well. And also, you know, with, with Merit, the communication is really, really good. Um, no, I, I, like you said, I think Napoli defended really well. Uh, but I think they got dominated in midfield. And I think Pioli kind of left the blueprint on how to beat Napoli. Um, showed everyone where their weaknesses are. And that you can actually dominate them uh, in midfield. And we've spoken about how we think Zielinski, Anguissa... And uh, Lobotka might be the best midfield in the Serie A. Well, Benasser, Tonali, Krunic, uh, and and to some extent De Ketla showed that you can actually hurt them, and how to do that, and and to press them high up and not give them a, a moments of peace. I think Benasser this season has been outstanding, and I he was great against <clears throat> against uh, yesterday uh, again. Uh, so, yeah, I thought he was no. the best player. I thought he was the best player on the pitch. I thought mm. Benasser. I thought he was he was really dominant. I thought he was fantastic. Never gives the ball away. Keeps it ticking. Uh, reminds me of Cambiasso uh, a lot, actually. Mm. Yeah, the way I like he... that. I like that. I, I really like that ca- comparison yeah. because, yeah. Um, it, like you say, safe passer, intelligent. It's like you know, it's so mm. mature for his for his age as well. Yeah, 
He links things together from the defence to the midfield, but with short part, his short game is so good as well. I, mm. I thought I did. I thought he was outstanding. I saw Lobotka got a lot of the praise. He was getting really a lot of praise after the game, and I thought he played very well again, Lobotka. And I thought he got as the game went on, he got better and better in the second half. But I thought that Benacer was definitely the standout. It's definitely, definitely the standout midfielder and the, and the standout player. And he's really back to his best now. Um, he really was outstanding. And I thought, yeah, like you said, in overall, I thought Milan played really well without Rafaelia. I know this this defeat will hurt. You know, it's their first defeat in 22 games. And, you know, that obviously it's a blow. But I think that if we look at the bigger picture, I think Milan will actually take a lot from this game to yeah. knowing that they can play this well without Rafaelia. Without Liao. Yeah. Because I, I mean, I'll be honest, I thought and I said that if there's one irreplaceable player in this Milan team, it is Raphael because I look at their attack and I look at the, the, the pace that he brings to the team and I don't see anybody else in the in the attacking third um, that can bring that. Yet, even without him, they were pressing high, they were, Napoli couldn't really get out, they were showing more, they showed, had more energy um, than, than, than Napoli. I think the crowd probably helped a little bit, showing again, showing how how a packed stadium with your fans behind them can make such a big difference. Um, but, um, you know, I thought they were just, they were just a bit unlucky. You know, they hit the bar, the, they missed some, well, that sitter at the end that Kaluli missed. I mean, it was really almost unmissable. Um, mm. and, well, that was the wrong you know, player to get that chance, wasn't it? I mean, of yeah. all the people you want to have that chance, Kalulu's probably the last one. Yeah, um, Giroud again. Giroud turned up again say, in, an, in Olivier another big Giroud game. Has I mean seriously, has he ever been any better in his career and than he is right now physically? Well, I thought, what um, I find it's incredible is how many games he's playing at the moment, and yet he's still maintaining that for thirty six yeah. years old to be playing twice, three times a week is, is pretty incredible. Uh, whether or not he's going to be able to maintain it and he's going to burn out in the second half of the season, like Jeka. I remember we were having the same conversation yeah, this time last we were, year about Jeka. And he, and he got overplayed and he, and, and it, it, it it caught up with him in the second half of the season. So that is that is the concern of Giroud. Because right now he's he's been he's fantastic. Uh, I can't Teo remember Hernandez, when he's ever been better in well. his career, Giroud. I mean, he's he just the, his reading. I mean the the link up, the the short passing and, and the you know back heels, his timing yeah. into the box. He's he's outstanding, Giroud. Absolutely yeah, he's outstanding. He's, 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 he, Chelsea could do with him right now. Yes, I was just going to say. I mean, it's. I mean, he, he, Inter could do with him. I mean, lots of teams could do with 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 when he plays like this. I can't remember when he's ever been better, like at this level, consistently, week in, week out, and playing three games a week. But like you said, the, the concern about the Jekyll syndrome, as we might call it now, um, is uh, is 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 there. But I don't think that I don't think there is. I think because if you remember, he started really poorly at Milan. Last yeah. year, and then for he much grew of the season, it. actually, till the Scudetto yeah. running, he was he was under par. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah, he but was. now he's, then he just he's really around. Yeah, yeah. I, just just to finish off for Milan, I do have I do have two little negatives though. Uh, uh, or in what was overwhelmingly I thought was a positive game for Milan, with the exception of the result. Di Ketteler. it's still early days, but I have to be honest, I was hoping for more from him. I have to be for all the all the reviews that we've had of Di Ketteler, You know how what a wonder kid he is. Um, you know, and, and how, you know, he's a real special talent. We haven't seen that so far. Um, we, we haven't. We, you can tell that technically he's, he's got it. You can tell that he's got a lovely left foot. He's, you know, he, he, he really strikes the ball, uses the ball really, you know, with, with technical brilliance. But I don't, I'm not seeing enough of a spark from him. I'm not seeing him 
beat a man, accelerate past the player, get a shot away, or or do something really magical. You know, I, I'm not I'm not seeing that from him yet. I'm not seeing the the superstar in him yet. Um, so I want to see more from him. You can say, yeah, it's still early days. We're only just over a month in the season, so it's you know, no no reason to panic. But when you compare him to Kvalitskalia, for example, and what an impact that he's had suddenly, straight away, immediately for Napoli, and then you compare that to Di Ketelaer, I mean, it kind of shows you where the, you know it shows you the difference. And so that that was one negative. The other negative was Tomori, for as as brilliant as he is, he lost. Simeone on that goal he lost him that was his man and if there's one weakness in Tomori's game I think and I think this is I actually think this is why Gareth Southgate doesn't start him much for England um it's on crosses I think he can sometimes lose his position a bit on, on crosses just holding the line and you know he he, he likes to anticipate and in, intercept the ball so much and he's so good at it and that is so important in modern football, being able to press high and win the ball. And, you know, sometimes there is, a, especially when crosses are put into the box, a defender and a centre-back just needs to hold their position, hold their line, you know, cover the space to make that header. And I don't know what, what happened on that cross. Uh, he lost Simeone, Simeone scored. It was a brilliant header, brilliant finish. But yeah, that's maybe but the build something... up to that as well. I mean, yeah. Cholito is like part of the build up as well. Before, I mean, he's the mm. one who passes it out to Mario Rui, and I think that that kind of movement again, I think it's linked to that thing where, whether it's Kalulu, whether it's Tomori, whether it's Kier, when strikers drag these these Milan central defenders out of position, when they're really moving, when they're attacking them with dropping deep and linking up, and then attacking the space with with pace. They they struggle. That's that's a Milan weakness. We've seen that, I think, and and it's been it's been true in, through the entire Pioli era, um, and and that's something they need to improve on. All of them um, in the back. It's not just Tomori. I think it's it's the read of the game sometimes when when they're dragged out of position and when strikers attack them with pace, they don't know what to expect, um, and that gives the attacker mm-hmm. just that second of extra time they need to pick out. Where yeah. going. It was and, to be fair to Simeone though. Maybe I'm being a little bit harsh on Tomori. It was brilliant movement. It was world class yeah. movement to get yeah. the space uh, to lay it off, dart in, make the header. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. but I, I, it's something that I have noticed in Tomori's game. So I just thought this was a time to. to no, bring I agree. It up. I agree. No, I think I think that's just Milan's weakness defensively. Is that? Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw in the derby as well. They they um when 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 Lautaro you know played off of. You know, held the ball up, passed it to Correa, passed it through to Brozovic, and they were free with the goal. I mean, again, it's it's this notion of getting these the 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 man the the central defense and out of position and pulling them off, and and they man mark and then they lose. That that's a weakness Milan have, um, and uh, it's been consistently a weakness. And I think it's more it could be both tactical and also development thing, like in terms of the players, Kalulu and Tomori not really being have you know that that's an aspect of their game they can both improve. Um, and and I think given Kier's age, he's not the quickest in the world. So no, that, that is a weakness Milan have for sure. <clears throat> and I think it was it was, but but like you said, it was Simeone's movement is was just. I mean, he he's so good at this. He 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 never stops moving, and he's always done it uh, throughout his career. It's just that he's learned to do it more intelligently now. And I think this is becoming quite the little breakout season for him as well, uh, which will only do well for Napoli because. Look, um, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves or anything like that, but Napoli, I had them, I have them 
and had them before the season started as my dark horse to win the Scudetto. And and this is this is the reason why because I think when they're in form, when they're at their best, they can beat anyone handsomely, and they have. What they did to Liverpool was a slaughter. Um, but the question has always been with Napoli consistency. You know, Sorry, I'm consist- just laughing at the way you, I'm just laughing at the way you said the word slaughter there. I mean, <laughs> why? Was, well, they did slaughter them. No, it's the way you said it. Just the, the, the way you pronounce the word. Okay, <laughs> so I'm not going to try. I'm not going to try and impersonate you. But it All right. Just the extra, the extra <laughs> emphasis on the word. Yeah. 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 But uh, no, but yeah, no, no, they well, did. Well, I mean, it was, it, the big question with Napoli is going to be: Can they maintain it? In the, well, that's in what the, I mean. The consistency. The can they keep it? Because they've been here yeah. in the last decade. They've been here definitely at least twice. Two yeah, seasons, one under Sarri in Higuain's last season, and and then when Juventus went on that long winning run to to claw it back, and then that, that other season as well when they had the meltdown at Fiorentina, uh, and then then again last season as well, you could kind of put that into so three times really, but definitely twice where they've had the Scudetto in their hands going into the closing weeks, and they just haven't been able to maintain it. The question is, can they do that this season? I think that the same case so as was the case last season. This is a it's an open Scudetto race, and yeah, you know it's is. there for someone to take it. It's whether, but again, it's different. Napoli is a different environment to to Inter, to Milan, traditionally to Juventus as well. In that you know these are environments that are used to winning and challenging for big titles. And, and Napoli, you can't you can't you know when you've got that history on your side, it's it the walls, it's in the walls inside the walls of the of the stadium and in the. You, you, inside the dressing room, you know that that kind of it's there, uh, and you can't you, you can't create that history. So it's uh, that that's going to be the big challenge for them. Um, well, also because Luciano Spalletti is not a winner; he's not a serial winner. He's never really won mm-hmm. the biggest titles, and and uh, you know can can the proverbial you know perpetual losers and the perpetual runners up actually do it together? Both the club Napoli and Spalletti, the coach. Um, I think there's there is everything in place to do it. Um, uh, I, I'm I'm and that's why I had them as my dark horse because of everything you said and also because of the characteristics of Spalletti uh, and that he's never done it before. It would be nice but to I, see him win it. He, he definitely deserves it. Yeah, for what he's and, done but I mean, I, I keep maintaining. I, I do think this is the team that is the most adapted to him and his his football and his style of football. And I think they they play a really interesting brand of football, and and I think it's going to be be successful for them. Uh, and I think that's why I had them before the season going the furthest in in Europe because I think that kind of football is will pay off in Europe. Um, the question is, can they keep it up in the league and in the Champions League? Um, mm-hmm. And 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 that remains to be seen. And also with everything yeah. else you said about the okay. history and 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 the and the and and everything else that you mentioned. But yeah. Anyway, we have to move on. Let's let's move on. Um, too much positivity in this podcast today. Oh, um, stop! <laughs> it's time for the week. It's time for the bi-weekly wing Allegri whinge fest. I, I presume. <laughs> I think I have every reason to this week. Would you not say, Nima? No, or am I? I am I, say, or am I, I exaggerating? Say, am I still no, exaggerating? No, you're not exaggerating <laughs> because the Benfica game and the and the Monza game was just dreadful. They were dreadful. Um, it's I don't look. I I'm, I like Max Allegri. I th- I like his pragmatism. I think he's a fantastic coach. I think he's incredibly underrated. Was but <clears throat> no, he is underrated. Throughout his career, he's been underrated. But and here's the big but: he does not have 
any excuses. He got everything he asked for this summer. This is a, this is a season he's actually supposed to deliver. And it's looking, it's looking like it did at Milan after Berlusconi sold Thiago Silva and Ibrahimovic and, every, and the wheels came off. Only he does not have that excuse here because he's got, he's, they haven't dismantled the project. They've actually improved the squad and got, give, given him players that he's asked for. So he has no rights to go on this, to say the things he does. Um, and I, I just, it just, they look dreadful, Juve. And it's, it's partly down to him as well. I mean, the, 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 we know that he likes to switch around formations and that, but you can't keep doing that game in, game out because you're just going to confuse the players. At some point, you have to choose an identity and, 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 and go stick to that. And I think, and I've always said the 3 5 2 is the way forward. But and and they didn't do that in the summer, as we you know as we've spoken about many times. But for Monza to lose, not just lose to Monza, but the way they lost to Monza, the way they lost to Bermuda, outplayed, mm. uh, outplayed in both it, games. Yeah, I mean that is unacceptable. That's not that's not a philosophy. That's being outplayed. That's not that. That's just a team completely devoid of everything. From identity to tactics to belief to confidence to form, and a coach that is just standing there saying, "Well, you take away the five starters at Milan and Inter and see how well they do." Yeah, no. I want to come to I want to come to his interview that Saturday interview in in a, in a little bit because I found that absolutely astonishing, um, really astonishing. No, it's, it's... But I mean, but but what I would say about. The, the past week and, and the, the aftermath of the Monza game is that this is definitely a new low for Juventus. One of, for me, one of the lowest points in Juventus's history. Uh, if we take it in kind of this week in isolation where, where Juventus are left after this week, you know, basically number one out of the Champions League, pretty much. Uh, number two, losing to bottom of the table Monza, who had one point in six games before, to, before, before the game. Uh, you know, never won a game in their entire history in Serie A um, and being completely dominated, not just after the red card, before the red card as well. So you can't use the red card as a as an excuse. Obviously, it didn't help matters, but they were already getting dominated. They'd already conceded big chances. Um, and yeah, I mean, just look at, you just look at the numbers now and without repeating myself, as I do every week, two wins in nine games this season, Two wins in 13 games under Allegri, including the end of last season. Three defeats and one draw in their last four games. Uh, they're eighth in Serie A now. Uh, for me, they're not going to make... I think everybody pretty much agrees they're not going to make the top four this season with Allegri in charge. I, I can't see how that can possibly ch- change around unless it's one of those seasons where everyone is dropping so many points that they somehow manage to hang in there for long enough that they get all their injured players back and maybe put something together. But I, I can't see how they can possibly get in the top four. Um, and again, like you said, you just got to look at the performance. Forget about the stats and the numbers. Just look at the performance. There's there's just nothing there. It's like, literally, like you just go out there and pick 11 strangers off the street, send them out on the pitch with no instructions. That is what Juventus are right now. There's just nothing there. There's There's... I mean, he just he just has to, he simply has to go. I mean, then you look at the environment, you know, he's lost all the players. He's lost the changing room. I mean, that's come from multiple um, journalists that are, are close to Juventus that have said he's basically lost, where he's lost a big chunk of the changing room. 
Di Maria, everybody has confirmed that Di Maria and, and Allegri have had a falling out that they don't get on. Uh, we saw Di Maria publicly having basically asking Milik after the Benfica game, why were you substituted? Rightfully so, but he's done that in public in front of everyone, which is not a good look. He probably shouldn't have done it, but it kind of shows you the the you know the environment at Juventus right now, how poisonous it's become. You then have Di Maria getting himself sent off again. That was stupid. We're going to come to Di Maria. We've got a segment on Di Maria in a bit, but again, it kind of shows you the the atmosphere and how nervous the players are. You know, he's lost the fan base. I mean, <laughs> did you? <laughs> this was brilliant. Did you hear the fans shouting "Allegri Vaffangulo" before half time? Everybody could hear it. I mean, that was. I mean, that kind of that fan was summing up the way that every Juventus fan feels right now. And, and it's no surprise, actually, at the end of the game, when he was leaving the, the stadium, that Allegri, um, he, he needed police protection. A lot of police protection, actually. More more, more cops than the, the Queen had at, at, at the funeral. <laughs> so many, <laughs> there were so many cops like surrounding him, taking him back to his car. And so you've, got, you've lost the fans as well. And then you've got the board who are, who are well, we know that Nedved hates him. <laughs> but I'm, you know, what we understand is there are people that are obviously asking questions in the board. You've got the ex-Juventus players, even some that used to play for him, are coming out and criticising, which is kind of unheard of. You generally, you don't get ex-teammates or ex-players criticising unless it, you know, it gets that far. And Marquisio, who's a pundit for some TV station, I'm not sure who it's for, um, was he come out and basically he pretty much said that well he did say so Allegri has to go he, he said because the understanding is right now that Juventus are not going to do anything until November Marquisio basically says well we can't wait that long I mean watch the games you can see that there's nothing there it's not you, you know it's broken it's completely broken and there's nothing to build on at all um, you know Arriva Ben has said before the game that it would I quote it would be completely crazy to sack Allegri now Allegri has a project here at Juventus and it has to be developed in the next four years. I mean, my question is to you, Nima, I mean, what more must Allegri do to get to get sacked? I mean, he can't do any more, can he? Surely. No, no, it's 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 it, it's completely uh, as things stand today, the wheels have come off. They're not coming off. They have come off. Um, but I think it's I think he's become the rep. He's, he's becoming like the embodiment of everything that's been wrong at Juve the last few years. I mean, from uh, when Arriva Ben and Cherubini took over from, you know, to clean up the mess after Paratici left financially and, and, and also structurally in the squad, and they decided to go back to something safe, and that something safe would be Max Allegri. Um, and Max Allegri uh, has been anything but that. It's been, they didn't get the Max Allegri who won them five league titles in a row, they got the Max Allegri who got himself sacked at Milan after the Berlusconi project was was over and they were in the banter era. But with the difference that here he's actually spent money. He's actually got the players he wants. And it's looking dreadful. And he's 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 pissing everyone off. Even the players that he want he wanted to bring into the club are are like Di Maria, he's he's fallen out with. Um yeah. and it's that to me is 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 not a good sign. And what did you make? What did you make of the interview on, on Saturday? You, I mean, I mean that to I me picked was out just some, I've picked out some. I've picked out some things from that. Uh, I've I've had it confirmed, by the way, that it was an unauthorized interview. So he didn't get the permission of the club to give that interview. Which I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't read too much into that. But 
for me, well, I'm that reading to, in the that business. to me, well, that to me, re, re, that to me, suggests, feeling the pressure. Yeah, that they're they want to say that oh no, he did that on his own, and they're putting distance between themselves and him, which suggests to me that there could be a rotura between the club and him, and I still think that, but but I don't think I, I don't see him doing that he's way too smart and he knows Juve inside out he's been there too long to do something like that um but but we'll see I mean it, did he do that I mean that that needs to be that remains to be seen um but, but he had me, Gallioni's his mentor Giovanni Gallioni yeah. speak the day before and it's generally yeah. accepted that whenever Gallioni speaks it's because Allegri sent him out to say something that he can't <laughs> say himself so you had that on the Friday then on Saturday you had Allegri given an unauthorized interview which I found quite ironic because after the Benfica game, Allegri's, the crux of Allegri's post-match was, we all need to shut up and stay silent. And then he gives the longest interview ever in which he basically makes excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse um, about why Juventus are struggling. Uh, and there's so much to pick apart in the interview. But the, the key things for me, this quote here, I think sums up Allegri and his struggles and, and how he's just... A, basically how outdated he is and is how out of touch with reality he is, is this quote here. Quality always lies in the players, not in the tactics. I mean, I found that astonishing. He's basically saying here that the coach has no impact at all. It's the players who, who win games and, and the coach doesn't matter. You know, pay me nine million. A year. Basically saying I can be paid nine million a year, but you might as well just pay someone off the street. It doesn't make any difference. Well, you can put, you can put a, you can literally put anything, anyone there and they should be able, I mean, it's, it's astonishing. I mean, I know why he's saying that. He's saying that because he says the players are the ones ultimately who have to do it on the pitch and, and they're the and ones. And he's got who, injuries. And that he's got and injuries. He's got, yeah. And in the injuries. Yeah. But first of all, the injuries, you do, you knew what you got when you got Paul Pogba. You knew what happened when you decided not to operate him and then you had to operate him anyway because everyone knew it was a bad decision not to operate to begin with. So you screwed that up. Your medical team is is a disaster. We all know that. Um, and uh, look, yes, the players are the ones who have to do it. But tactics matter in football, mate. <laughs> like it's just, yeah. it's, I mean, it's it's just it's a silly thing to say and. I understand again why he's doing it, but this is not 1985. This is the kind of stuff that Trapattoni used to say to piss his players off when things weren't going well back in the yeah. 90s. Like this is this yeah. is like these and players not that, are the ones yeah. that have to do it for you, and you have to win them over. Absolutely, and on that point, and on that yeah. point about the players having to do it for them, he then he then went and basically alienated half his squad yeah. by saying that those those who are currently playing are not pretty much not good enough. And, you know, he complained about all the injuries that they've got. And he pretty much, well, he did. He revealed what his first team is. And he, he said that his first choice midfield are Paredes, uh, Pogba and Rabiot. And he, he called Locatelli, he actually used this term, he <laughs> called him a first substitute, quote, first substitute. He called Locatelli, which, I mean, is astonishing on, on numerous levels. Number one, because... For me, Locatelli is is the best, uh, aside from Pogba, in terms of talent, he's their next best midfielder for me. No, no questions. No questions at all. And I, and I still maintain he's a Juventus-level player. He just needs the right manager. To, I agree to, to 100%. Use him. Um, 100% but, you know, agree with that. But even if, even if he was a first substitute, let's just pretend he was, 
you don't say that. You just don't. You don't, especially. No, I mean, when, again, you know, but listen, this is this is. You don't say that in 2022. This is the kind of shit you used to say in 1995 to get Locatelli to be to piss him off and and get him going. It just doesn't work like that anymore. What you're essentially saying is throwing Locatelli to the wolves uh, this mm-hmm. way, and he'll he's just gonna and, and he's the one who's gonna have to win it for you. You know, this isn't. You know, the relationship he has with Locatelli. I mean. Is not the one that maybe he had with Marquisio. When do you know what I mean? Like he, he, these are not players that owe you anything. And if you lose that, if they, if you lose their belief, you're out of there. No, yeah, no, it, it just makes it's just it's it's not the same as it was before. And and I know that someone like Mourinho struggled. I think that's the reason he struggled is that he couldn't communicate with his younger generation. Mm. But. But 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 Mourinho learned from that. Mm. Allegri just seems he just doesn't acknowledge that. I understand what he's trying to do, and then the whole Miretti is and Pogba, Cuadrado is old. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he come up with excuse. I mean, also, I mean, again, you could. No one doubts Juventus have got a lot of injuries now, and and there definitely needs to be scrutiny on the medical team because it's ridiculous. Oh, the, num- the number of injuries that Juventus has had, I think it's eleven at the moment or something, and the number of injuries they've had this season. But also, not just the number of injuries. You look, actually, look at their running stats. Uh, it is is shocking that their, their running stats, uh, the amount of kilometers they're covering a game, um, and also and it's a stat that I picked up and I tweeted um, earlier today on Monday. Um, that team press. Have a look at the team pressing standards in in, in Serie A this season. Juventus are twentieth for average uh, team presses per ninety minutes. They're 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 forty two forty forty two uh, average per ninety. Napoli have got double basically. Napoli have got eighty one. They're, they're top of the table now. You shouldn't necessarily read too much in that because I could I could pick out Roma who have only got forty three yet they're doing pretty well near the top. Um, whereas you've got Selenitana, got 75, who are third in the table. And so you shouldn't read too much into that. What you do read into, though, is the pressing efficiency. So how efficient it is when you do press. Um, that is what counts. Now, Juventus are bottom of the table for number of, for team pressing. And they're 18th in the table for pressing efficiency. Now, you combine those two together in modern football, and that is a recipe for absolute disaster. And that 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 is why... You know, Juventus. Well, one of the reasons why Juventus have been such a disaster under Allegri. If you if your your pressing is so bad and so inefficient, um, then you know you, it's, it's, there's no it's, that's that's what happens. Um, so you know, there's definitely question marks. Well, more than question marks. There's definitely something going badly wrong with the way that the 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 medical team and the, the, the how they've been physically prepared for matches. We've seen them. That you know, fifteen minutes, first fifteen minutes, excellent against Benfica, showing lots of energy, pressing, pushing, pinning Benfica back, and then just collapsing for the rest of the game. They just couldn't maintain it. I've seen it time and again, you know, with you know, with Allegri, they they cannot maintain it. So, yeah, there's 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 something badly going wrong there. But definitely with Allegri, I just I just come. Well, the, the thing is, I don't I don't think he'll be sacked. I think what will happen is. Because to save Agnelli's face, I think there will be a, a, a he decided to leave because it's not working. Uh, he he decided that he was the, you know he's gonna, they're going to go this old old fashioned classic. You know, um, I've decided that I'm I'm now the liability here, 
at Juve because the it's not working. So the for the best for the sake of Juve, I've decided to leave. Mm. Uh, you know that kind of thing. I think that's why he. Uh, I think he'll find an agreement with with Agnelli, and then they'll come out and together and reveal some stuff. And yeah. I think something, something has to like happen that. fast because also for the sake of the credibility of Agnelli and the rest of the manager, Arriva Bene for me. As I've said, I, I still have big question marks of him. He's in his early 60s. He's, this is his first position in football that he's taken at this age, grand old age. He's, you know, he's, his first operative role. You know, he was in Ferrari during the darkest days of Ferrari, failed there. Now he comes here and I'm, I'm already asking question marks. If you're in your early 60s and it's your first operative role in football, I'm asking questions. You know, and I, I look at the transfer policy. So the credibility of these guys, if they're going to stick with, with with something which is for me, it's absolutely blatantly obvious. The thing is completely broken. There's just there's just it's it's, it's no hope of 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 any improvement at all. Um, the, the, the longer they wait, the season is still salvageable now. Juventus are two points behind Inter. They're four points behind Milan. Okay, they're a little bit off Inter. Uh, sorry, Napoli um, at the top, but you know it's Napoli. Um, who you know who, who might you know not maintain it? Um, you know, so it's still salvageable. Even the Champions League, they can win their next two games against Maccabi Haifa. Then it puts them in with a chance of you know getting a good result against Benfica away, and maybe who knows they could salvage qualification. But if you wait any longer, you wait until November when they're supposed to. They want to wait until November and see how they are at the World Cup. Then it's all gone. The season's gone. They could be ten points off. The top of the yeah. table, in, or, or more in the Serie A, they will be out of the Champions League. So yeah, make well, the decision now. The yeah, yeah, because yeah, it'll be over. Yeah. So anyway, we have to, we have to uh, just very quickly, we have to say well done to Monza though. Historic win, first Serie A win in their in their history, uh, over a hundred years, hundred and ten years, I think it is. Um, you know, they were in Serie D when Juventus played in the, the Champions League final in two thousand seventeen. Um, and also, of course, it's uh, <laughs> Silvio Berlusconi. I mean, it's a great story. It's another notch on his on his bedpost, <laughs> <laughs> which is no longer a bedpost, but it's whittled down to a twig. Um, Monza. I mean, they they also sacked their coach and they appointed Paladino, didn't they? Um, yeah. So he was having a pizza. <laughs> he was having a pizza with our friend Adrian Del Monte only last week, and then got the call. To, to take uh, take the job and uh, yeah, managed to prepare better than a manager that's been doing it for fifteen months. <laughs> yeah, Stroffa, which who, who I was should never have been. A, he should have. They should have well, Allegri. Yeah, but yeah, and Stroffa yeah. as well. Right. No, they did yeah. well. So yeah, well they done, well. well done for them, well done to them. I thought I, I also one. I have to say, Rovella, Rovella was mm. the best player on the pitch for me. I thought he was outstanding mm. for for Monza. Everything went through him. Sensi played well as well, actually. Um, Sensi was Rovella, outstanding. Um, yeah, I was really impressed with Ravel. I thought he was fantastic. And I just found it ironic that he completely outplayed the player that replaced him at a cost of 20, 20, 22 million euros, completely outplayed Paredes, uh, which I found was, yeah, quite, 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 quite funny, really. And kind of sums well, up because, because Paredes, yeah, you know what I think about Paredes. I mean, it's me, to me, it's uh, Argentinian Kuzmavich. It's nothing, yeah, no, nothing I, I, concrete. I think he's a good player. I think he's a good player in a cohesive system, which Juventus aren't in a in a in a system that's that. Well, there isn't a system. <laughs> there is at Juventus now. He's he's av- he's just very average. I think he's you a know, decent he's not, player. I think he's yeah, a yeah. decent. Player. He's not a bad I mean, player. He's, no, he's not, for me, he's, he's, not, not, he's not. If you've got standards, Juventus standards like I have, having grown up with them when they were the best team in Europe, then you know, for me. Uh, 
I, I yeah. think he's he, no. he's a squad player at Juve at most. Mm. Like to me, same thing as PSG. I mean, he was surrounded by brilliance at PSG, and I think that and that's what I've always. And, and, and you ask world. anyone, you ask anyone how he did at PSG, and, and they'll tell you he'll play one good, get one great game a month, yeah. and then be average for the other for the other games. Yeah, that, exactly. you ask anyone, so that, they'll all tell you that. You know, so that kind. I mean, of... if you look at if you look at the Argentinian national team, he's surrounded by brilliance. At PSG was surrounded by brilliance. Whenever yeah. he has to carry it, he just—he's not good enough. Yeah, to be honest with enough. you, me and you would look great next to Verratti. He's that—he's that good. <laughs> you know? Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, if you put me okay. next to Rodrigo de Paul, uh, <laughs> I'll win the Ballon d'Or for you. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to see that. Um, okay, let's let's uh, let's talk even about Di Maria. Even at the ripe old age of forty-one, and and a yeah. lovely beer belly I've, I've worked on for a good ten years, <laughs> um, it's uh, it's it's um, yeah no. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's move on to uh, Angel Di Maria. Red carded in this game in the first half, elbow to the stomach of uh, Armando Isola. He made the most of it, to be fair. But you know, you can't Stupid. do that. You, 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 you can't do that. You know, you, you know, you swing your elbow, even if you make the lightest of touches. It's, you, you're going to get red carded, and yeah, you know, the, the referee the rules are what. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, the referee the had no choice. It was yeah. just a mo- it was just a moment of stupidity. As I said before, I think it reflected the nervousness in the in the Juventus camp at the moment, but it also reflected, you know, how Di Maria is is uh, feeling right now. The people I've spoken to, he's not happy with Allegri. That, I mean, there is it's been well reported that he's uh, he's he's had a falling out with Allegri. Um, from Allegri's side, he's not happy with Di Maria. He thought he would be someone that could come in and make the difference, give them the leap of quality. And, you know, he hasn't done that. And from Di Maria's side, he's unhappy with, one, how his his injury was managed. And I think he's absolutely right about that. He's been rushed back twice and got injured twice. Um, and two, he's obviously looking at Allegri and he's just thinking, what the hell have I come into here? I mean, who is this manager? What the hell is he doing? You know, what kind of football is he playing? You know, he's come from a team of superstars and he's suddenly playing with, you know, Weston McKennie and Deschilio when he looks to pass to his right, he sees those two, <laughs> you know? And when he looks to pass to his left, he's got uh, Alexandro, you know? So it's... it's um, yeah, but you can't... Alexandro is not a bad player compared to the those the gems, the creme de la cremes that you mentioned there before. Um, so... Yeah, did you see, by the way, just as a separate point, did you see that there was a moment in the first half where McKennie did a five-yard sideways pass to, to Deschilio, the simplest pass you'll ever get. I mean, the kind of pass that five-year-old school kids would, would do no problem and he passed it straight out of play and, and it, that just summed, <laughs> summed up basically where Juventus were at but I mean with Di Maria he um, I guess there's two sides to this but is this another transfer mistake from Juventus? I'm not sure I'm not sure I'm not ready to say that because I don't think Angel Di Maria is the player he was and he's one of my favourite players of the last decade um, I, I loved him at Real Madrid uh, I think he was a Gorgeous little player at PSG, just so intelligent. Um, I would have loved to have had him at Inter. Uh, unfortunately, that never materialized. Um, but no, I, I, I think it's too soon. I think the problem is that if, you, if you're going to bring in experienced players like that, then you have to be careful on how you play them, how you coach them, how you train them. And Allegri is, is using archaic preparation techniques and Jay, Jay Medical seem completely clueless as to what they're actually doing and and what you know what they're they, they seem completely 
they have no idea what they're doing and they're making injuries worse, as we saw. And then Allegri's comment confirmed, didn't he? Um, about well, yeah, he basically admitted it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's that 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 that's the level of that to me. That's unprofessionalism in today's game, and that's why that's why he's pissed. Uh, Di Maria, one of the reasons he's pissed, and he's got every right to be. I mean, that he, I've never heard a coach in the last ten years say say something at this level at one of the top clubs admit to playing an injured player, and then he he worsens his injury and then just acts like it's raining. Uh, genuinely astonishing, yeah. but but I, I think it's too soon. I think it's too soon to say that. But yeah, I do understand I mean- why you'd think that. Well, I don't think that, to be honest. I don't think I'm not necessarily thinking it's a transfer mistake, but I think you know that when Juventus signed him, I questioned it. I, I, I everybody was getting really excited about it, um, just like they were with Pogba. And I was just like, hang on a minute, let's just look at the bigger picture here. From a Juventus transfer policy point of view, this just smacks of short termism again, which is what has been my whole criticism of Juventus. My, my whole criticism of Juventus transfer policy, um, well let's just take the last year or so, has been twofold. One um, is that they're not built, they're not buying players to, to, to fit a certain formation or style of play. Or, you know, when you start off at the beginning of a, of a summer market, you should, you should sit down, they should all sit down. And, you know, and Allegri was part of the decision-making this summer. It should be Allegri, Eliva Bene, Cherubini, whoever else. So sit down and say, right, what formation are we playing next season? What style of play are we, are we playing? And once you've decided that, you say, right, based on that, we need to buy a striker. We need to buy a central midfielder. We need to buy a left, a, a left uh, winger to play left in our 4-3-3. They need to have these attributes. That's what, you, that's what you sit down and you decide. Now, with Juventus, they don't know what their formation is because Allegri's changing it every single week. He still doesn't know what it is. Um, they don't have a style or identity at all. So basically what they've done is they've just ended up, and this has happened for a few tra- few years in a row, actually. It even happened with Sadi when he didn't get the players that he needed for his type of football. Is you get a mishmash of players, some players that can play in one formation, some players that can play in another formation, players that can't, some players that can't play with one another, um, not enough depth for one formation, uh, not enough depth for another formation. To give you the best example, the 3-5-2 formation, which you say is the best formation to use, and I'd probably agree with you, when everyone's, but only when everyone's available. And you go with a 3-5-2 formation, you've got Milik and Vlaovic, and then you don't have a, you don't have a backup forward. You've only, well, you've got one, you've got Keane, who, who you're, be, you're basically playing with 10 men when you have him. That's the only, so you can't go into a season trying to play a 3-5-2 formation when the only backup uh, forward you've got is, is Moise Keane. You need, even if he was good, you need more depth than that. So, you know, this is the problem with the transport. So Di Maria, the way that he fitted into that was, well, what formation are you playing with him? Uh, and number two, look at his age. You know, he's 34. He's going to be 35 midway through this season. You know, he's, he's getting on. And if you get on, you're going to get injuries. We've seen that already. Mm. Uh, I also had question marks over his motivation. Uh, and that's also been leaking out that there's fears, Allegri and some fears within the club that he's, his, his mind is on the World Cup. You know, he wanted to join a club just so that he could get himself ready for November. Well, well, basically, by the time he comes back from, from suspension, he, he's already missed seven games now. Um, he's going to miss another three. That's 10 games missed before he comes back. By the time he comes back, the World Cup is basically here. So he's basically not contributed anything up until, up until the World Cup. So that's already half a season pretty much gone. Um, so 
yeah, he's definitely got a lot of repair work to do. Well, the talent has is still not, there. It's not been confirmed that Di Maria's gotten three match ban, has he? No, but it's probably going to be two or three. It's violent conduct. Yeah, I mean, the, the automatic is three two. games. I think yeah, it's three automatic. It's, yeah, but I don't think. I think unless two, they appeal. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think they will appeal because I think three would be a little bit too. Well, either harsh. way, it's nine, not like ten, you punch you someone know. in the face. I mean, it's like he. Yes, it was an elbow, and we know it's a straight, you know, whatever. But it's not. It's not. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah, it's violent conduct by the letter of the law, but it wasn't. Mm. Eric he's played two hundred and nine. He's played. Yeah, he's played two hundred and nineteen <clears throat> minutes of football so far. So mm. I mean, it, it hasn't gone well. For, for, for it wasn't Roy Keane um, on Alfinger Holland. It wasn't Eric Cantona. <laughs> what, pick your favorite one. I mean, it's, that's my point. And I think he'll get two matches. But no, I, I agree with you. Uh, and he'll miss quite, you know, two games again. It's mm-hmm. and and but he, I mean, it's 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 not. It's a concerning situation. And also, if this is his last chance to win something big, uh, and I don't, with all due respect to Copa America, um, this is his last chance to win the World Cup. And yeah. Messi's chance as well. It's the last chance yeah. of that generation. And I think I, I I have Argentina as my favorite to win the World Cup. Um, and because I, I think they finally have a team that's balanced. Um, and I think he's a, he's an integral part of that. And I think he's going to come to that to that World Cup prepared like no one else in order to to win that World Cup. And then what happens after that? Does he does he give a, yeah. does he give a crap about you a bit? Uh, well, yeah, there's that um, question. Yeah, that's the question mark as well when he when he comes back as well. Mm. He's certainly going to be fresh um, going into the World Cup. Let's, <laughs> let's say that. Um, okay, let's move on to Udinese Inter. Um, it's quite funny actually because all the everything about Allegri is kind of in, is let Inzaghi off a little bit in terms of you know the heat isn't as much on him as it well as it should be. I mean, I, do, I know there's been a there's been a, a statement from the ultras today. But um, how do yeah, you, and do what you they see said is exactly—it's it, it, not, you know, shame, it's not, you know, I'm not the one who usually d- agrees with anything that the Kurva Nord says, but it's hard to disagree with ev- with every single thing they said, because I think it bears it it bears truth. Is this isn't about Nzagi out? This is about a club and an ownership that is completely dysfunctional. Milan Skriniar's contract expires in 12 months, in less than 12 months. Why has it been dragged on to this point? Why wasn't this fixed before? Um, He's clearly affected by it, because I've never seen Skriniar play this poorly. And I don't think that at 27, he's peaked and is is going through what Defray is going, who, by the way, should never play for Inter again. It's as simple as that. It's another Handanovic situation. I said it on this pod to one and a half years ago, and now it's completely true. This is another Samir Handanovic situation. It's a complete de- decline, mental, physical decline. He's not. He's nowhere near. When he was named the best defender of the league, since then, he's declined. Last season, we saw it. Now we absolutely see it. He concedes corner for no reason and then loses uh, the, the most winnable head- header that he should be having. And that's why... They scored the the, the two one, Udinese. Um, but it's not. It's 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 like it's a little bit like the perfect storm, uh, which 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 mitigates Simone Inzaghi, who absolutely has a has a responsibility. Why you take Acerbi off to play the to, to play the fry on, who Acerbi was without a doubt Inter's best player on the day. You, this this moving about of musical chairs in the back three, where Skriniar plays to the right, the middle, the left. 
Bastoni, well, when he's subbed off, <laughs> is played in the middle and the left, and DiMarco is a left winger the left. I mean, it's musical chairs. He's playing musical chairs <laughs> with a back three. It's ridiculous. It literally is. Like when the music stops, that's when you, that's your position right there. It's it's ridiculous. You can't do that. And he's been doing it not just one game. It's been consistently this season. You know, the the back that that defense is a problem um, already. Uh, due to several issues, because, you know, Skinner's contract, De Frey's falling off a cliff or the Handanovic virus that he's got, um, that completely <laughs> fallen off. Um, and and it's not, you know, and, and they didn't address it, you know, coherently enough. Now, I know what's going to happen. Acerbi's going to have a good season and then they're going to sign him and he's going to be dreadful again. I mean, it's, it's, it's this nonsense that they keep repeating these mistakes over and over. And what about over the again. substitutions? I mean, what is going on? What, what, no, look, is, he Bastoni, got, is he a problem? No, Bastoni Mikitarian, to me, the reason why he did that is because he's angry. He wants to send a message. And I understand why he wants to do that. Because I think... He <clears> was Skirinha, angry with what? The way they were playing? Yes. Where the he was team angry was playing? The, yes, the attitude. And that is what the Kurva North said. And that brings me nicely into the second point I wanted to make. This isn't an Inzaghi problem. This is an attitude problem by the players as well. They just look disinterested. Brozovic is out of form. Barella is, is inconsistent, uh, but better. Chalanoglu was obviously injured and missed this game. But the rest of them, the key players, the Bastonis, the Barellas, the Skriniars, the Defrais, the Lautaros, these guys are just out of form with various shades of out of form. Um, and, 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 it, you know, given that he was preparing a season to play a higher defensive line and the whole team was adapting to that, none of the players came, so he had to pull that back and now the rest of the team is adapting to that and they have adapted to that. They're not as, you know, this game apart, they, they're not as, you know, they don't get overrun as easily. But, <clears throat> so so there's, there's, there's the tactical confusion. You've got key players who are way, way off the, in decline. You've got key players who are, completely out of form. And you've got a young manager there who's being fed to the wolves a little bit and is also panicking. And that's what that's really worrying. He, he To me, he looks like he's panicking. And that is never a good sign because when that happens, you know, this was my worry. I tweeted about a couple of weeks ago. I was like, I'm, I'm worried that this could be the case. And if that is the case, well, he's a dead man walking and he'll be sacked just like, you know the same. He'll face the same route that Allegri's going, but with it, but it's a completely different problem because I don't think Simone Inzaghi is the main issue at, at Inter, and and the issue then becomes who do you replace him with? Well, you don't bring Tuchel because Lukaku would walk out, would fly out of Milan in the same plane that takes Tuchel to Milan. You know, so it's 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 a it's a big it's a big problem and and i think my issue is not inzaghi my issue are the players and and i think a lot of that is down to to the management as well they need to sort this screening out situation out properly um i'm not talking about just the own goal i'm talking about his body language he looks he looks mm -hmm. scared they all look scared and i don't understand why they're scared um they look unorganized they look scared they they look it's it's as if I can't remember who said it. I think Bergomi said it. It's like it's like the missed scudettos got into their heads, and they're still kind of mourning that, and they can't shake it off. And 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 you know the confidence and belief is is it, it, for me it's more a psychological thing for them yeah. uh, more than anything. Um, mm. And I I don't know how you snap out of that. That's something that 
the they have to someone has to step up there. They someone has to step up at that club and be like, I'm the. Well, leader. you would have thought you'd have thought that the <clears throat> last minute winner against Serena would have been the perfect time time to, uh, to 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 make them snap out of it, wouldn't you? Yeah, Given that but, boost and it, but let's happened. be honest as well. Udinese are probably the most informed team in the Serie A. Yeah, probably, I wanted they're... to come on to Udinese because they 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 they're really great. I mean, the five wins in a row and. I was really impressed with them. I, I think, you know, they, they play excited football. They play football, modern football, lots of energy, pressing high, you know, lots of exciting young players. I mean, Udoji we know about, but, you know, Samaritic, uh, Lovric, uh, Makengo I like, Perez uh, in defence. And then, of Beto. course, you've got those, that's what I was going to say, those two up yeah. front. I mean, Beto yeah. and especially Delafeo, he was wonderful. He was man of the match. He got two assists, you know, the way that he just runs at players. He, I love watching him play. I really do. Yeah, and, me too. And and he was really hyped up in Serie B last season um, with Ascoli. Um, Andrea Sotil, and, yeah. Yeah, Andrea Sotil, uh, you know, mm. with, with the football that he's going to play, uh, mm. that he played. And, and, it's a, and, and the fact that he's so good at, ide- I mean, what he did against Inter, he identified all the weak points that Simone Inzaghi's have, has, Simone Inzaghi's Inter have dis- has displayed so far this season. And he just went to town on it. Um, and it just never really felt, even though Inter went into the lead, that Udinese were, they were going to win this game. And I was, I was almost certain they were going to. Um, I was, that's why I'm calm. I'm not worried about this. I think Udinese away is always a tricky game for Inter, uh, let alone when, when Inter are out of form and Udinese are in form. The mm. only good thing about this from an Inter perspective is that this, this is now out of, you know, this, this fixture yeah. is Well, Udinese have put, seven, have put seven goals past Roma and... And, yeah. uh, and Inter so far this season. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I was going to say, did, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is this is his second stint at Udinese. He built something fantastic there before, and he's built he's building something incredible again. I mean, I, I hold him as one of the best, if not the best, directors in Italian Well, he was football. at Napoli. He was at Napoli in the 80s in the with 80s. the Maradona, the Maradona well, yeah, he left uh, when they won the Scudetto. Yeah, he, well, he left because of Moji. He said those famous words that, you know, Luciano, Mr. Moji and I don't look at football the same way. And he <laughs> left Napoli. <laughs> yeah. and then, I mean, he you know, built he, that team. He helped He helped build that team that won the Scudetto in 1987. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, he's, I mean, he's been around for a long time. He has. Many, yeah, I mean, he's in he, his 60s, um, late 60s yeah, now. And he's, yeah, and 90, I mean, 99, he took over as a CEO at Udinese. Uh, 2004 to 2009, he was the CEO of Napoli bringing them back to, you know, the Serie A and yeah. where they are now. Um, and, and he's he has been, a clear you know, vision. He has a clear vision, a clear project. And, and that's exactly what I was saying before. You know, when you've got that and you've carried it through, you get results. And that's what the clubs that are doing well have those clear projects. The clubs that are doing bad don't don't have it. And they're not yeah. in synergy with one another. And yeah, Udinese, get, it's great to see Udinese get back there. I think they've got a lot going on. I like their stadium as well. And um it's, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's good to see. Okay, no, they do well. And for Inter, Roma. just for Inter, I mean, from Inter perspective, yeah. well, that's the only positive right there. They don't get yeah. to play Udinese and that they're having their kind of poor form early on in the season. And that's when you're supposed to have it if you're going to fight for anything. Because, like, I mean, again, Inter, are what, they've got 12 points. They're five points behind Napoli. I don't think Udinese and Atalanta are going to challenge for a title. Sorry, yeah. our good friend Conor Clancy. I'm terribly sorry. I don't think Atalanta are going to win. The Serie A, um, and 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 I think that's a good that, that's a positive. Well, that brings thing. us on nicely. That does on Atalanta because uh, they won at Roma. Um, John is gonna he's not with us today, but we'll get we're gonna get John to do a little uh, little mini review of this. So, John, take it away. 
All right. Well, this is probably going to be uh, shorter or less time consuming than what may be necessary. But Roma dominated Atalanta last night. I don't think there needs to be some sort of uh, deep scientific analysis to figure out what the issue is and more importantly, what the solution is. It's very clear. If you just Google, okay, what Roma's XG, their expected goals is, they are currently at the top of Serie A at 17.5. Well, they've scored eight goals. So they were expected to score almost 18, and they've scored half of that. It's really that simple. Roma, they ended yesterday's match against Atalanta with an XG and expected goals of 3.2. This is very simple. Stop wasting your chances. We're not even saying, okay, those uh, 100% of the uh, goals that you have thrown away, you have to reverse this immediately, and you can't allow a single one to fall by the wayside. No. I mean, if Roma simply, uh, not not even 100% of those 33, 40%, then they are probably sitting atop the table right next to Napoli and Atalanta. I mean, the, the margins in which we all know football is decided on for Roma to consistently waste goal-scoring opportunities such, uh, such uh, at the level that they have, these very high-quality chances, it's really that simple. This has nothing to do with uh, tactics or anything Jose Mourinho has done. Jose Mourinho is putting them in an absolutely prime position to score goals and, by extension, earn points. Jose Mourinho can't go out there and walk the ball into the net for Tammy Abraham, for Belotti, Shomurodov, Pellegrini, all of these guys that are missing a lot of chances. It would be one thing if Roma weren't creating anything and there was very clearly a tactical problem within the team, within the players. Something is missing. But they're creating a bevy of goal-scoring opportunities and they are wasting those abundance of chances. So really it is that simple. There, there's no need for uh, any sort of deeper analysis or, or, or having to make a drama or an episode of this. This is very simple. Roma, stop wasting your chances. It's really that simple. So apologies if that was uh, uh, underwhelming as far as an analysis goes, but when uh, it's an elementary sort of problem, uh, usually the solution is at the same level. So back over to you too. Okay, let's move uh, across the city of Rome to Lazio. And they had a very, very interesting mixed week. They got hammered five, was it 5-1 in the in the yeah, Europa League? to Yolanda, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, they got absolutely hammered. And then they were absolutely smashed Cremonese 4-0. Immobile again, another two goals. And um, yeah, they... Uh, they're in a good position in in Serie A uh, as well, so they're uh, they're such a strange one, um, Lazio. I, you never know what you're going to get from them uh, at all. But, but it's Sarri, isn't it? It's Sarri. It's, if if Sarri ball works, you win five, you, you win four nil. But when it doesn't, you can get slaughtered like five one. Um, it, it it really is one of those things. It's um, 
it's it's a it's a he's a system coach. There's no there's no in betweens with him. Um, I I am surprised at the way they got slaughtered in the in the Europa League. I really am. Um, I did not expect them. I thought we've been. I mean, I've been praising them defensively this season. I think that praise has been warranted because they've been really, really good mm. defensively. But yeah, none Atalanta, of that anywhere. Only Atalanta have conceded uh, fewer goals this season. Yeah. Than, um, than which is bizarre in itself as well. I mean, what the hell? Yeah. What's going on? The world's turning upside down. Yeah. Gasparini's becoming <laughs> Gasparini's becoming a tight defensed coach, and you know, not playing that free flowing. No, but Lazio, like you said, I mean that's that's a good that's a really good stat. I mean they 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 don't concede a lot of goals. This Lazio, they've been defensively solid. Providel, the goalkeeper, has been outstanding, and he's supposed to be the backup goalkeeper. Uh, he's yeah. been called to the national team now, hasn't he? Um, yeah. So yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, so I mean it's, that, that that you know they are. They, so I'm really surprised at that hammering in the Europa League. Um, but I, I think I think we I think we sh- we should give him benefit of the doubt. I think that was more just a. You know, you have to remember one thing, though. I mean, Lazio are in the beginning of the, the Italian teams are in the beginning of their season, and and they're not as you know they're not you know seven days in. It's not they're not in the middle of the season, and and so I think these things could can happen, but I mean the way they bounced back and slaughtered, destroyed Cremonese, was says that it was just a blip on the radar. And that they that it was just one of those days, and they they've they've moved on from that. I still expect Lazio to win that group. I still think they will. Um, and I and I think Lazio will. They're in a good position, like you said. I mean, I think they will challenge for a top four spot. I I still don't think that over the course of a season. Yeah, I still hold Milan, Inter, Napoli, and Juve above all the rest. But it's they're in a good position, and they place. I mean, Milinkovic Savic, Ciro Immobile. You know, we keep saying it, you know, the week in, week out. Milinkovic Savic is the best midfielder in the Serie A and it's not even close. It's, it's, he is by far the best. No one comes close and he's complete. Absolutely okay. complete. He before, yeah, before we finish off with Badger and Prem Face of the Week, let's just quickly go through the other uh, Serie A games this weekend. So we had Selenitana uh, 1, Lecce 2. That was the Friday evening game. We had Thiago Motto's first game at uh, Bologna, losing 1-0 to Empoli. We had Spezia beating Sampdoria 2-1. Torino losing 1-0 at home to Sassuolo. And then Fiorentina ending their bad run of form with a 2-0 win over Verona. I think the biggest talking point from this is probably should Gianpaolo be sacked by Sampdoria? The bottom of the league, two points, three losses in a row. Um, I don't think they can they can sack him because well the, the club needs to be sold and I think everybody knows that and there's uh, until they find a, a buyer I, I don't think I, I think he's basically you know he's taking one for Sampdoria he's, he's he you know he he's standing there in a in a in a, in a club and a and a project that's completely on hold um, and he's and he's just there to until a new owner comes and when that new owner comes I think that then you'll see the new sporting project and, and who will head that will decide who the coach is I don't know who you replace him with I mean who wants to take that job at this point unless you get you know one of the guys with the baseball caps um, Yakini <laughs> or or what's his name Serze Cosmi but then you know that's that's 
that's that's giving up the season already. <laughs> I love how the baseball cap basically denotes the the kind of country yeah. pumpkin. <laughs> like, <laughs> or as John calls them, you know, off of uh, Manager Island, the Italian Manager yeah. Island. We've got this island where, you know, Ballardini's there and mm. Cosmi's there. Zenga, Zenga flies in and out uh, there. And, and um, yeah, Yakini's one of those guys as well. Um, so, no, it's, yeah. it, it's, but it's not a good situation for sure. Thiago Motta, though, bad start for him. And also, yeah. the other, the other, the other player that I wanted to pick out was, because he's very, very highly rated when he joined them at uh, Sassuolo, um, the the lad that scored the winner. Uh, uh, his name now. Alvarez, uh, Augustin Alvarez <laughs> Martinez mm. um, scored with a late goal for Sassuolo against Torino. Um, watch out for, definitely watch out for him. He's really high rated. Mm. He is. Um, and no, it's Bologna, I think, it's going to be an up and down shaky season. I think going from Mihailovic to Thiago Motta is very, it's weird. I, I think Thiago Motta would have liked to have a proper preseason. I wonder if Bologna is going to have one of those seasons where they sack Motta and then bring back Mihailovic kind of thing. Yeah. Um, wouldn't, wouldn't surprise. Yeah. You know, no, I don't, I don't like where they're headed with, with this season at all, mm. but Fiorentina you know, not... shout out to Fiorentina though. They, they completely dominated. Um, their their win against Verona, they were they were back to the kind of football we know from Italiano. So they put Kwame up front in the centre forward role, and they were back to their best. <laughs> no, no, but they had Amrabat and Mandragora in midfield. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean Amrabat got injured and he was taken off, and then Ikone and then Barak and then Sotil. No, look, uh, it was it was a good um, it, it was a good performance by Fiorentina, and you know they. Um, they they uh, they had to take they had to play Kwame up front because at least he moves. Luka Jovic mm. doesn't move, and so mm. far he's been a, he's been an absolutely horrible signing for them, and he needs to snap out of it because if he if he's going to be this poor at Fiorentina, well, I wonder if his next career isn't if his next club isn't a relegation fighting team in in uh, maybe La Liga or Bundesliga, like that. That's the traje- career trajectory if he doesn't snap out of it. Yeah. Okay. Let's finish off. We were going to review the Italy squad, but um, we will do that before because Italy play on Friday against England. So we'll we'll do a proper review of that of the Italy squad because there were quite a lot of contentious call ups and omissions from that. So we'll do that um, for, for Thursday's pod ahead of that uh, England game, and yeah, we'll, we'll preview that match. So we'll finish off today with Badjo and Prem face of the week. Okay, Badjo. Um, I've got, it's actually a Sampdoria player, um, but uh, Sabiri, uh, who I think has been absolutely outstanding this season. Um, uh, one of the few players who've been good at Sampdoria this season. And that goal he scored against Spezia, the, the opening goal, is just, is gorgeous. Go see it. It's without a doubt the goal of the week. No one else comes close. Uh, so for me, that's that, that. He's the bad jaw of the week. Okay. Prem face of the week is Roberto De Zerbi. Um, the reason for that is um, the when Brighton put out a post, basically um, announcing him 
as the new Brighton manager and all the responses, well, not all of them, but quite a large chunk of the responses were just prem face after prem face saying, never so heard of him. it's not the it's the fans responding to the The fans' response. Yeah, the fans' yeah. response. Did I say it was Deserby? Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but it's not Deserby. It's the fans' responding to Deserby. And um, yeah, basically, yeah, prem face after prem face saying, I never heard of him. Uh, Brighton are getting relegated. Uh, you know, basically, foreign manager, you know, you haven't heard of him, so automatically means he's crap, which is a hallmark of the Prem phase. But just to finish off, we are going to do a little profile on Deserby. So for the Brighton fans, Premier League fans, and the, the Prem faces out there who don't know who uh, Roberto Deserby is, uh, Nima, can you just tell us uh, a little bit about Deserby? Well, he's he's an interesting one. Um, he was born in Brescia. Uh, he was part of Milan's um, uh, Primavera squad, and and he was a you know he was he was known to uh, he was he was he was as a player throughout his career he was given the nickname uh, the Il Piccolo Genio, uh, the little genius, because he was a left-footed uh, midfielder who could. Who had incredible vision and, and had a good vision and and and, and quality uh, of, of how to build play, and he could play as a tequatista. And it was an in it was in homage of Dejan Savicevic, the legendary Milan player. Um, as a um, and then you know he didn't really ever have a great career. I mean, with Catania, he, he played in the Serie A. Um, you know, in Nap- Napoli, he got them. You know, he, he those were the those were the peaks. Of his, and my dad's uh, hometown of Foggia as well. Have yeah, to, Foggia, to, yeah. I have to mention got, that. Yeah. yeah, you have to. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> have to. Um, we, who, I think he took him to like a cup final. Not, not. I think it was Serie C Cup or something. I can't remember. He was great at free kicks. Uh, yeah, yeah left-footed as well. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, as a, as a coach, he um, he got his big break when he got, when, when uh, Maurizio Zamparini, the now de- deceased uh, Palermo president, out of the blue, appointed him to take over, gave him a two-year contract to take over after Davide Ballardini was sacked. Um, and he was appointed on the 10th of September in 2016. And on the 30th of November, <laughs> he was sacked by Zamparini because that's how Zamparini works. But what was interesting was that he was, um, he was, he was, when, when he was appointed, um, uh, by Sassuolo because he was he went to Benevento um, and he uh, he, he did uh, you know he, he, the club still got relegated but uh, and he left them but but it was really interesting to see that he he was brought to when when he was brought to Sassuolo um, and and obviously he replaced uh, Beppe Iacchini there. Um, uh, so uh, no, it was it was um, it was he he wrote a co- he signed a contract until thirtieth you know until June twenty twenty, um, and it was really interesting to see what he did there because I mean one of the first players if I'm not mistaken one of the first players that they signed from the Ballardini era was Manuel Locatelli, um, and obviously 2018-2019 season is probably the best season that Stefano Sensi has ever had, and that was under um, the Zerbi. He likes to play a four three three. Or four two three one, he's he's a huge fan of Pep Guardiola. Um, he's, he's he's you know he caused a bit of a ruckus when when Chelsea won the Champions League against City and saying I'd rather lose the Champions League final 
playing like Guardiola than to than to win it playing like others did. Um, and 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 he's been a he's been a guest of um, Guardiola's. There's this photo of him and De Rossi uh, on social media as well. But he's a he's a he's a very um, he's a very progressive modern coach. Um, he absolutely hated the European Super League. Uh, he 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 didn't want to play Milan because they were. Well, they were part of the clubs that that were part of the Super League, and saying that you know I, I have to play because my contract says I have to turn up, but otherwise I don't want to go there. You know, saying that they they were trying to hijack football from you know belonging to everybody, and they wanted to remove the meritocracy of football and so on and so forth. So um, he he is a very modern coach, I think. Given from what we've seen from Brighton, you know, having taken over from Graham Potter, I think that's the, that's a really good appointment. Uh, kind of the same kind of mold in that sense that they are very modern young coaches up and coming. His his techniques, his vision of football, and his preparing is you know preparation is very modern. Um, and and I think it's 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 an exciting choice um, that they're doing for sure. Yeah, and he's also fantastic at developing players, and that's something that we've seen at Brighton. We saw it under you know Graham Potter doing a great role in in. Um, Great job in, in developing, developing and, and unearthing and developing players. Um, something that's part of the Brighton project, and we've seen it as Sassuolo and he's said that you know, look at what he did with um, with Schemaka, with with uh, Raspadori. Uh, for me, know. the most important one is Locatelli. Locatelli, I mean, yeah. Locatelli well. for me really came on to, came really really is probably his best. Like his, the greatest success story, I think, under the Serbi. Stefano yeah, Sensi had his best season under, mm. um, you know, that was the season before he went to Inter. And that was under the Zerbi, 18, mm. um, Yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely. And then, you know, we saw and Berardi as well became, you know, went on to another level. And we saw at the Euros, Euro 2020, you know, Locatelli played a, a big role in, in Italy winning the title. Uh, Berardi also played his part. You know, so he he was um, yeah he's he's had a big influence on on the development of some really top top young mainly Italian players but also you know other players as well. And um, he's, I mean, Jeremy yeah, so, Borga was was pretty mm. good under him, wasn't he? I mean, Borga, yeah, yeah. Hamid no, Traore started Traore, to develop. Yeah. I mean, he he exploded Maxi Lopez, after he like, Maxi you really Lopez, like yeah. So Lopez, so yeah, so definitely if if whether he's a success or not at Brighton, one thing we can definitely expect is that he will help develop some of their players and, and Brighton do have some exciting players like Caicedo for example is a player I'm a very big fan of so you know watch out for him to get even better under De Zerbi. Okay right that's all we have time for today um, we will be back uh, later in the week for uh, a midweek a midweek pod uh, in which there will be definitely be plenty more to talk about even though it's an international week um, there will be so much going on. We'll see what happens with the developments with uh, certain of Allegri's future. Uh, and also we'll, we will definitely preview the, the international uh, games uh, with Italy playing England and then Hungary um, in this uh, yeah in this midweek and uh, also and also the, the 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 questions from our from the Italian football podcast listeners, which is a Patreon only uh, episode, which comes out every Tuesday tomorrow. This is Monday we're recording, um, and also like you said, the the Thursday pod is also uh, a Patreon only 
uh, on on patreon.com slash tifp 2.99 a month exclusive vat this is obviously the free one and we we got i just i just want to say i'm really grateful to everybody who's because we were breaking records we've never had so many downloads and listens ever on on mm-hmm. the free pod as we're having right now so thank you to everybody so please yeah. continue to retweet share like subscribe give five stars on whatever platform you use we really yeah. appreciate and check it. out our youtube really, page yeah, check out our exactly. youtube page as well yeah. Yeah, the Italian yeah, football pod. Type in the, the Italian football podcast on YouTube, and you'll you'll get a lot of our our little mini segments um, as well. Okay, thanks everybody, and uh, we will see you next time. Ciao, ciao.